Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. Research shows that, my goodness, broke my heart, 70% of self-professing Christians, 70% of born-again Christians believe Jesus sinned and that there's more than just one way to get to heaven. And although we're going to cover a lot of scripture today, we're going to fire hose you with about 20 verses. Um, There is a verse in Acts that says there is no other name where salvation is found besides the name of Jesus. So whatever Jesus said, he was either, there's a book that he's either Lord, lunatic, he's just so crazy, or he's a liar, right? So Jesus has been Lord in my life, has changed my life. I fall more deeply in love with Jesus as the years go by. My faith grows. But here's the thing I want to say. It doesn't matter um, how much faith I have or how little bit of faith you may have. It's not on our faith. It's on the object of our faith. So you have a little bit of faith, like Thomas, right? Show me your hands. I want to see Right? We, think, we always give Thomas a bad rap for being doubting Thomas, and I need to see. His faith was in Jesus. And Jesus says, come to the table. I prepare a table for you. So hopefully today, if you just have a little bit of faith, and maybe you're doubting like Thomas, or you have a lot, like you're oversaved. <laughs> you, you're, you're, you're good. You're, you're it, you know? Uh, we pray that the object of your faith will be in the real Savior, the real Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But it's not my words that are going to like convince you or penetrate your heart. It's the Holy Spirit is going to illuminate Scripture to you. Maybe you read some of these Scriptures, but I would pray, pray today as you read Scripture, you're like, oh my goodness. It's like it just shines brighter and it penetrates those deep places of your heart. Maybe it penetrates some of those doubts that you've had or some of the insecurities that you had so that when you leave here today, you're encouraged And we pray the Holy Spirit would give you boldness to invite people, not just to church, right? That's not the goal, it's just to a church building. It's like into your life, that you can have a relationship with spiritual conversations and and have a, and play play this, we're going to help you, teach you how to share your faith with people and invite them into your, your life, man. That's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians, go and make disciples, amen? But it's powered by the Holy Spirit, not because we have to, Anyway, I'm going to keep, I'm going to pray. <laughs> Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. You breathe upon the disciples and gave them your spirit when you rose from the dead. And you promised to give us the Holy Spirit to change our life. We live a dynamic life, a different life, that people would see the Holy Spirit in us and through us. Lord, we wouldn't just pray for you to do something in our life, but we would pray that you would do something through our lives, to our families, to our kids, to our spouses, to our neighbors. Lord, I pray that you would use me to, to bless the community of the, 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 the little league that I'm in, Lord, that they would see something different. Uh, Lord, we, we love you, Jesus. We know that you're calling people, you're drawing people more than ever to you. and People want to know your name. People want to know more about you. So, Lord, as we dive into your scripture all about you today, bless us for learning and being hungry for your spirit. Amen. 
Amen. Okay, so here's your notes. You can follow along, and you can, you can just write in a bunch of um, fill-in-the-blanks, right? If all you oversaved people, you probably already have it filled out. Like, I know what this is. Great. Okay, great. Okay, so um, we're going we're gonna, to uh, jump in here. Um, a real Savior attributes, right? Lots of proclaimed saviors out there, but we're saying, you know, as quote, will the real Savior please stand up? Because all the other saviors are just imitators. I don't know who said that, but just kidding. <laughs> all right, real savior attributes. So, what are the attributes of a real, true savior? And all these things, is this not a part of who your savior is? You got to ask yourself, like, is your savior's resume stand up to Jesus' resume of being the real savior? Number one, the real savior was fully God. And fully man. So God himself, right? Trinity. There's no beginning or end to God himself. He exists in perfect unity and trinity. Became to earth as a man. Jesus. Incarnate God. He was fully man. At the same time, fully God. When he was, Jesus was on earth, he wasn't just not God. He was God and he was man. It's this miraculous combination, not half God, half man. He didn't become less God when he came to us as Jesus. He was the visible image of the invisible God. But yet when Jesus was on earth, he was able to limit some of his attributes as God. For instance, he limited his um. Was that omnipresence, right? God is everywhere. So Jesus wasn't everywhere. He was in one place at one time. So he was able to limit some of his God attributes. And that's his divine nature. Number two, we move fast, right? Because there's a lot of scripture here. I just want to blast you guys. This is like good theology. Um, there's a whole lot more, but I'm kind of just trying not to limit it down to these verses. Because God's word will change our lives. Amen. Number two, he was holy and righteous. Jesus, his true Savior, is holy and righteous. Oh, but I, I did skip a verse. Sorry, Caesar. Caesar's on the on that, right? That'll mess, mess you up. Go back to the um, first point. A lot of scripture today. Fully God, fully man in the verse. There you go. Philippians 2.5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in the human likeness. So I want to back that up with scripture. Number two, holy and righteous. Show the verse. Acts 3 says this. You disown the holy and righteous one, and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. Like God's the author of life. Jesus is life himself. All of us have life. Everything has life because of Jesus. Even those who deny Jesus have life because of Jesus. Mm. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses that, of this. So this is pretty big because that Jesus on earth as a man never sinned. Jesus did not sin ever. Some people say, well, he was like us. He was, like, he was a man, but he was nothing like us. We have a sinful nature. He understands that we sin, but he 
is not like us because he's God. <laughs> we we're made in his image, but he doesn't have that sinful, sinful nature. If you have this version of Jesus that sinned, that is not the biblical understanding of Jesus. Some people have claimed Jesus as a good teacher, a man, a prophet, a good guy. That puts him in a category with all the other good moral teachers. He was God himself and never sinned. He's the only person that never sinned. That's why his death was the only acceptable death because he was perfect. God doesn't accept our death for our own sin. We're not acceptable. Jesus' death on the cross is the only acceptable sacrifice because he's a perfect Right, he's the perfect, he's the perfect Lamb of God. All the sacrifice in the Old Testament when they got the clean animals was pointing, it all pointed to Jesus. And then a lot of them missed it. But research says, right, that 44% of Christians believe Jesus sinned. Uh, some would say 70%. I think it was 70% believe that there's more saviors, more ways to get to heaven. So there's a lack of witnessing and sharing faith because a lot of Christians just think, well, then they're going to heaven too. Why do I have to share my faith with them? I don't know where they're, where they're getting their information, but read your Bible again. Jesus didn't sin. He's perfect. He's holy and righteous, and we like that. Number three, he's a just judge. This is where it gets hard, right? These next two hit a little bit differently. Jesus is a just judge. Acts 10, he ordered us to preach everywhere, to be the judge of both the living and the dead. Jesus judges everything. In the beginning, everything is created in him and through him and for him. When God created the world, what did he say? He judged the world. He created everything and said what? It is, it is good. It is good by his standards. So Jesus judges. And Jesus is the only, Jesus is the only just judge because he has the just right to judge what is good and what is evil. And that might seem harsh. But, for he's loving. <laughs> he's loving. Ephesians 3 says this, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and that you know this love that surpasses all knowledge. So we cannot even understand or begin to comprehend how wide, how long, how deep, how high God's love is. That you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. We can barely comprehend how much God loves us. We can say it to a blue in the place, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. It's hard, it's incomprehensible because our minds are finite. We have a beginning and an end of our life. How many of you guys have jumped in the ocean lately? Anybody? It's kind of cold. Anybody jump in the ocean right here in San Diego? Like not in like six months, right? You jump in the ocean, you're jumping to part of the ocean, it surrounds you, but no way could we fully understand the depth and how much ocean there is. We can even see it on a map. Right, scientifically, we can research it. Oh, it's like the deepest parts of the ocean, maybe seven miles deep, 
and we can see it goes to the horizon. It's seven miles out, but oh my goodness, when you jump in the ocean, we have that like just perception of I'm just, there's ocean all around me. When you jump into God's love, it's similar. You're like, it's all around me. It surrounds me. I'm submerged in it. It's a, but we have no idea because our minds are so finite how much God loves you. And the job of a church is really to help you understand how much God loves you. This is bonus in the context that he's a loving daddy. He's an Abba father. He's a loving dad. That's a real savior's attributes. I don't know any other saviors out there that have share even those same attributes, right? <clears throat> what kind of attitudes will a real savior have? Judging, loving, what kind of attitudes? This is the attitudes towards us. Number one, he empathizes with our weaknesses. He empathizes with our weaknesses. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, but he did not sin. So he's, we're created his image, but he's not like us. <laughs> he doesn't have a sin nature, but he's tempted. The devil tempted Jesus, and he stood up. And how did he fight against the devil? He preached the word, right? Used the word against him. So his heart goes out to us when we sin. When we swim, sin, his heart breaks. And anytime Jesus um, came across someone who was in sin, woman at the well, prostitute, tax collectors, he never, he didn't tell, he didn't like condemn them or shame them. He said, go and sin no more. His grace is so inexhaustible. Some of us, sometimes in our religiousness, want to think that Jesus' grace eventually runs out for some people? Like, that's just too much grace. That person is just, that's just too much grace for that person, right? His grace is inexhaustible. It's one-way love towards us. He empathizes with us. That's our Savior. That's the attitude he has for us. I don't know, any other people claiming for Savior, it's all about works and earning and being good enough and having to arrive, having to climb this ladder to earn and achieve. All the other religions, earning, achieving, and doing, there's pressure, it's exhausting, or there's self-righteousness. But Jesus, he empathizes with our weakness. That's my Savior anyway. His name is Jesus Christ. And then Jesus, we know he hates sin. Again, this, this might be a little tougher. He hates sin. Psalm 45, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So sin is the opposite of joy. Sin is the opposite of holy and righteous. It's important that my Savior, your Savior, should be holy and righteous and a judge, and that our Savior hates sin. Jesus just cannot be cool with sin. I don't want my Savior to be holy and righteous, but just let my sin slide like, oh, I got you, dude. No, I'm, it's okay. A little bit of sin. I'm good. I want my Savior celebrating any sin that I have. He hates sin. And the more we fall in love with Jesus and surrender our life with Jesus, the more we allow our life to die and his life live through us, we begin to hate sin. That's a good mark that the Holy Spirit lives in you, that you hate sin. You hate the things that you used to do before you knew Jesus. 
Some people are just comfortable with that. Israel was comfortable in slavery. They wanted to go back to slavery because they kept complaining. At least we had food over there. Oh, my goodness. Ah, that's, we are that people. We're set free from the bondage of sin, but sometimes we, it's so tempting to go back to sin, to go back to our bondage. Jesus hates sin. Number three, <clears throat> this might be tough. You ready? It's a hard pill to swallow. He is intolerant of sin and sinners. Jesus is intolerant of sin and sinners. You're like, gosh, that like, sounds harsh, right? Psalm 5, 5 says, The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. So Jesus isn't trying to be PC and said, I tolerate sinners and sin, like everything's included. No, he cannot be around sin. Ironically, there are some people who seem to be intolerant of Jesus because he's intolerant of sin. That doesn't make, right? Like what? <laughs> coexisting. That Jesus is not about coexisting, although religions aren't. No. One Savior with a resume, holy and righteous, can't tolerate sin or anything that produces sin. You're like, oh, we're quiet in here. Oh, my gosh. He hates me. Oh, my gosh. He's intolerant of me. But God, say, but God. But God, oh, thank you, Jesus. But God demonstrates, up here, Romans 5, 8, Caesar. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. <laughs> while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, what did he do? He went and died for us. That's my Savior. That's, that's the resume of Jesus, the only true Savior. While we are sinners, it's easy for someone to die for people who are on their same team, in their same family. But Jesus came to earth and died for us while we were his enemy, while we were sinners, slave to sin, bondage to sin, enemies of God. He died for us. And more theology, he died in our place. He condemns us as unrighteous sinners. He condemns us with all the wrath and then he stands in our place and takes that penalty and stands in our place and dies for us on the cross and then credits us with righteousness. His righteousness. One true Savior does, does that. Nobody else claims to do that. But so many people are lost. Why? Because they don't like that God's intolerant of sin. Because people want to do what they want to do. They want to justify their own sin, right? And then they want it to be celebrated. Oh, God can't tolerate sin. He's holy and just. Sin is not in his presence. And we come into his presence. He declares us righteous. And we're justified. Justify means justify. I've never sinned is how God sees you. He sees us as eternal. He sees us as we're already in heaven because he's already won. It is finished. Amen? He defeated death. Pointed back in the book of Genesis 3.15, telling the serpent, I will, he will crush your head, but your serpent will bruise his heel. Jesus' heel was bruised on Good Friday on the cross. Ow, my heel. That's death on the cross. And the enemy's Right? But now we live in this war because the enemy is prince of this world and there's that spiritual warfare. The kingdom of God and the prince of the earth and there's this war and you live in this tension of the war, the spiritual battle, it's real and you're seeing it a lot more now, right? 
you're seeing stuff. You're seeing people just come out and say, like, wow, that's gnarly. This world is, this world is intense. It's very dark. And as much as the enemy is being more vocal, Christians should have boldness to be vocal and invite people into what is real and true. But you can't just do it on your skill because you just, willpower, Joel talked about. It's the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises us. Is your Savior tolerant of sin and sinners? If your Savior is tolerant of sin and sinners, lets it slide, that is not the Savior in the Bible. But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were sinners, Jesus died for us. Amen. Number four, he desires everybody to be saved. Everybody to be saved. He desires everybody to be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4, who wants all people to be saved and come to him, come to a knowledge of the truth? <clears throat> I think a lot of times maybe people lack knowledge of the truth. How do you get more knowledge of truth? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. It's the living words. Not just good literature, right? They actually took the Bible off bestsellers list because nothing would ever come second to it. <laughs> People have died over the... We read the Bible. It's this big, but it always comes alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces your heart and exposes insecurities false identities you take that to god's word and he's always going to speak to you but you have to be reading your bible not just listening to a message right now or podcast that's all great they'll supplement your own personal bible reading amen and you can even follow on the uh, the aloha app it's like we're reading the, through the bible in a year right now we're in genesis we're going through the like the tabernacle it was amazing and then we haven't had videos it's vi great right i love that <clears throat> Actions of a savior. How does a savior? How does a true savior act? Is y'all talk? Is it just all beliefs? Do we um, just uh, intellectually assent to this? No, the savior acted on this. Number one, he says he intercedes for us. Romans eight thirty four. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus is praying for us. Wow. Right? And when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit is praying and groaning for us. Just talk about spiritual language. That's like a language when you just end up how to even pray. God gives a gift of a spiritual language. And it's, it's like, because God doesn't speak English or Spanish or whatever, or Hawaiian pidgin, which I think he does. Shoots God. God is, God is a spiritual, right? So when we pray in a spiritual language, it's praying in what we don't even know. And the Holy Spirit's praying for us. Jesus, the true Savior, prays for us because he loves us. Imagine right now, Jesus praying for you right now. He don't take a break. He's praying for you right now. A lot of times people come to uh, realize Jesus is their Savior, and we ask them, like, who's been praying for you? There's all my mom, my grandma, my wife, my husband, my, my kids. Jesus is praying for you. <clears throat> Two, he lived a righteous life for us, Romans 5. 9. You guys are handling this? This is good? I kind of just thought about, like, we need to just, like, get ready for Easter. And instead of having one passage and taken away, I was like, I'm just going like, to 
fire hose us with some theology there, right? So a couple more minutes, if you can handle, we're good. You're like, when's he done? Right there. Right there. Okay. All right. <laughs> he lived a righteous life for us. Oh, my goodness. 10, 10. Romans 5, 19. Just, for just as through the disobedience of one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, right? Original sin through the Adam. <clears throat> so also through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So faith in Jesus, Jesus died in my place because I cannot earn my way to God. Many people try by being good enough, by attending church enough. No, no, no. Faith is I cannot do this. I can't do this. I need a savior. I need someone to rescue me because I can't do this. My good, I'm not good enough. Jesus, a perfect person. That's what baptism, we water baptism, we're fully immersed in Jesus' death. Not sprinkled a little bit. We don't be sprinkled with, right? we want to be immersed in Jesus' life because his life is immersed in our life. Amen? <clears throat> he died for us. And we think that's, when people say life's unfair. Yes, life is very unfair. Thank you, God. Because if life was fair, I would have to pay for my own sin. That would suck. Or sip. Sorry for Christians out there. That would sip. Life is unfair. Praise the Lord. Jesus died for me. And my, what? Jesus took our sin upon himself. God made, Caesar, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me move on a little bit faster. Number four, he offers himself as a sacrifice. He didn't say, oh, come bring me a sacrifice. I'm God to reach me. No, he became a sacrifice for us. I'm going to provide myself as a sacrifice that you need. Because you know what you need, but I know what you need, and it's going to be me. <laughs> Just put your faith in me, and I'll take care of all the rest, because it is finished. I did 100% of all the heavy lifting, not 99, 100%. Put your faith in me. Ephesians 5.2, lived a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself, this is what the Bible says, and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Right, a pleasing aroma to God. Just, mm, that's this, I love that smell. So how does this apply to me? Lastly, application for me. Well, one, I've always prayed the Holy Spirit would apply this to your life because I can say these points but the Holy Spirit has to actually penetrate your heart and illuminate your mind to scriptures. And that's the Holy Spirit's working. If this is making sense, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Does the Holy Spirit work in my life? Yes. Because he draws you to the Bible. Number one, <clears throat> my sins are forgiven. Amen. Right? That's how it applies to my life. Your sins are forgiven. We should clap. That's good. That is good. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins couldn't be forgiven by any other claim, saviors, whatever. A sense, intellectual, meditation. Your sin's not forgiven now, eh? Only through Jesus. My sins are for forgiven. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess with our mouth, we confess with our mouth, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Number two, I am made right 
with God or righteous in right standing with God and peace with him. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified, justified never sinned, through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace surpasses all understanding or all guessing. We ask them, well, what if you... What if what you believed was wrong? Would you want to know? People say, yes, yes, I don't know. I have peace with God to know my sins are forgiven. I'm seated, at, I'm seated in heaven. My identity's in Christ. All this stuff's happening. Oh my goodness, my life, all this stuff happens, but I have peace that surpasses all my understanding only through God. Amen? That's what our Savior offers. That's my application to this because it's a guarantee. Number three, I'm a new creation in Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives through me. I'm a new creation. I don't know what other saviors guarantee, but in Jesus guarantees we're a new creation, born again, made alive in Christ, right? Dead to sin, alive in Christ. We're dead to sin. You have to get that dead to sin, slave to sin, in bondage to sin, not even just lost. And Jesus comes and rescues us. We're made new in him. I love that. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the Bible says this, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Mm. A big part of what we teach constantly to new believers or to our kids is that your identity is in Christ. Your new identity is in Christ, not in your job, (laughs) right? It's how God identifies you. A lot of confusion now, right? A lot of identity confusion. Identity is not what we think. Identity is who God says we are. Amen? The one who created us. Identity is in Christ. When you're doubting your faith, you're doubting who you are. Am I good enough? Am I enough? Am I enough? Anybody ever thought that? Am I enough? Am I good enough? Am I, am I worthy? Who does God say? You're enough. You're enough because why? Jesus is enough, right? Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. God accepted Jesus, the perfect righteous one. You no longer live. Jesus lives through you. God sees you as what? Enough. Amen? You're enough. He loves you. You're enough. I love that. That's what the true Savior says. You got to think. What, if, who, what, what is your idea of a savior? The one true savior. 70% of self-professing Christians in America do not believe Jesus was enough. It's all right here. There's a, this is like tip of the iceberg on verses. We've got to be reading our Bible, reading the word. Don't be discipled by social media. Don't be discipled by fake news, right? Don't be discipled by what you think people... Read the Bible. Let the Holy Spirit disciple you. He's the disciple maker. We point people to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Whew. Joel, give me some of this. So Joel does. Four, I'm adopted into a new family. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. I like that advance because God didn't just decide to adopt you into his whole family when you came to church. Oh, now I'm going to adopt you. <laughs> You reading your Bible? That's my boy. 
right? God decided in advance, when in advance, before the creation of the world, before you were even a sparkle in your mom and daddy's eye, he decided in advance to adopt you into his family. You no longer have to live as orphans. No orphans, all God's children. Look around, these are your brothers and sisters. I love that. Adopted into a new family. <clears throat> Number five, because we're running out of time. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Amen? Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You're in his hand. You're in the Father's hand. I always have, like, I, put, I could put any amount, I could put some money in my hand and tell my, tell my boy he's 12, like, won't be for long. He can pry it out of my hand, but I'm going to try to get out of my hand. Try to get out of my hand. I'm like, dad's strength. Dad just like, ah. You know, dad strength, wedgie muscles right there. Get out of my hand. You're too strong, dad. That's me. I'm a human, right? But nothing can pluck us out of God's hand. He's our father. He has us in his hand because we're in Christ. I love that. A lot of times people worry about like, oh my gosh, I've sinned. I've come. I haven't been to church. I've lose myself. No, <laughs> you put your faith in Jesus. <laughs> nothing can separate you from his love. How do I know this? Well, read the Bible. Romans 8, 38 says, For I am convinced, say convinced, I am convinced, secure beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have the surety or surety of salvation, right? That's what our Savior offers us. Certainty, surety, guarantee. Garen's ball barons in English, okay? <laughs> For I am convinced, guaranteed, that neither life, nor, nor death, nor life, neither angels, nor even demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation, think anything else, will be able to separate us from what? The love of God mm, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate me. And then a bonus Another six says, I'm given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Mm. We're given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. 2 Corinthians 1.22, he set his seal of ownership. You know how I have a letter and they have the seal, the blood sealed it. He set the seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Is this your Savior? A lot of imitators out there don't have that resume. That's just the tip of the iceberg, amen? So maybe we've come from 70% down to like maybe zero. 100% of us, right? I don't know. This is just the statistics. Because the lies, there's so many lies and we want to believe, oh my gosh, God is so good. How could he let, and this, and you know what? This is the truth. We're unapologetically about God's truth at Aloha Church. We love Jesus. This is what we're called to teach people the truth, God's word. Not my words aren't going to convince you. I can maybe make you laugh. Maybe not today, but <laughs> all right there. God's word is going to teach us. Amen? As we go into a time of worship and prayer, 
Man. Look over these notes. And this week, let the truth of God, the scriptures, a whole bunch of them, penetrate those lies in your heart. Fully God, fully man, holy, righteous. God hates sin, but he loved me. He died for me while I was a sinner. Man, he stood in my place. He forgives me of all my sins. He sees me as righteous. Giving me a new life. Guaranteed the Holy Spirit. As we prepare our hearts for Easter, oh my goodness, right? I pray, I do pray we bring, we bring people, just like the one, usually people come on Easter. <laughs> We're not so worried about people just coming to church on Easter. It's like experiencing a dynamic, powerful experience with Jesus, amen? Not experience at a church program. It's Jesus changing their life. He transformed our lives. And people would see the transformation in our life. They would see the Holy Spirit in our life. But that's a different person. That must be God. Amen? That's what I want. Who wants that? I want that. Man, let's stand. I'm going to pray. Let's worship. We have our prayer team up here. Get prayer. And they'll pray for you. But know that Jesus is also praying for you. Amen? As you leave here, he's going to pray for you. And as you walk outside and eat today, share this. Meet people. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Give me a new name. Adopting me as your son for changing my life. Lord, we pray that believers would read the Bible. It would transform them. Not so much they get in the Bible, but the word of God would get in them. And Lord, for those of us who have a great amount of faith and maybe know all these scriptures and memorize all these scriptures, that's so wonderful. You love us. And for those who never read the Bible and they're just taking a small step towards you, Lord, you're working their life. They're here. It comes through hearing of the word and they're hearing and they're listening. We pray that that little seed would grow and they would keep asking questions. It's okay. Following Jesus, doubting Jesus is following Jesus because it's the object of their faith is Jesus. Lord, we pray for a lot of people who've been deceived. There are many false saviors out there. Many people being led astray. Lies, eloquent speeches, but may we not be babies of the word. May we grow to more mature things our faith is rooted and established so we're not easily swayed by the slick and entertaining and all the, the, the teachings that just sway back and forth that aren't grounded in God's word. We love your word. Thank you that we can read it. We love you, Jesus. We expect an amazing Easter here at Aloha and through America and through the world that on that one day across the entire world, our brothers and sisters in Christ are celebrating you defeating death. You're the only savior that raised from the dead. You said you're going to raise from the dead, and then you came and actually rose from the dead. And all the other false teachers, they're dead. <laughs> so Lord, awaken us to that good news. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha. Aloha.